0: chapter 6, verses 4 to 25. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts, impress them on your children, talk talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, Wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord, who brought you out of of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve Him only, and take your oaths in His name. Do not follow other gods and the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God. And his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not test the Lord your God as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that it may go well with you and you may go in... And take over the good land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. In the future, when your son asks you, "What is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws that the Lord our God has commanded you?" tell him, "We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our Before our eyes, the Lord sent miraculous signs and wonders, great and terrible, upon Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land that he promised on oath to our forefathers. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God, so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness.
1: Mike, Mike check, Mike, Mike check, Mike. Hello? Mike, can you guys hear me? Mike Mike Bailey's here. here. All right. Mike, right there. Okay. Please join me in the word of prayer again. Our Father, we thank you once again for giving us another day to praise and worship you and honor you with your people here at FICF, both live and online. Father, we are grateful. You are good and you are gracious and you are merciful to us. Forgive us for all of our sins. Father, don't let anything hinder hinder you from hearing our prayers. Help us again tonight, Lord God, that we will comprehend your message for us guide us and teach us with your Holy Spirit open our hearts and open our minds Lord God to your word that we will be able to understand and accept whatever it is that you are trying to tell us anoint me Father God and use me again as your vessel to deliver your message to your people please bless my preparations but Lord please do supersede it according to your will Again, Father, please guide and bless us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ruth, for reading that. Um, I find it tonight that uh, that will be my technique now to kind of reduce my time. (laughs) But thank you. That is the word of God. Amen. Amen. uh, This is our title tonight, The Results Are In. We are still in our series, Knowing God in Trying Times. And most of you, or maybe some of you, have taken the, the COVID-19 test. And and while you're waiting for the results, I don't know what the header is because I never really took the test. I hate taking tests, Pastor Charles. I always fail. So I'm thinking, even if I don't have this COVID-19, I might fail it. <laughs> even if I don't have it. But the results are in. The results, meaning, the result is is it, it's defined as consequence of or effect of. Or outcome of something. That's how the Webster Dictionary defines the world. the The word, the noun, result. And we will continue with this until next week. <laughs> with With knowing God during trying times, because we are in trying times. I know it's more ele- elevated now. It's more obvious now because of this pandemic. But we've always been in trying times. Amen. You know us. Christians here in America, we are so blessed. I can't stress that enough. And I believe most of you already know that too. But there are people in the Philippines who are also going through the same pandem- pandemic. But they are, they are struggling to get something to eat, to go from point A to point B. They, they, they're not guaranteed that they will be okay. But for some of us, for most of us here in America, for all of us here in America actually, we are still free. We are still free to worship, although we're limited and being persecuted. But we are still free to go to the grocery, eat whatever we have to eat or we want to eat. Some of you are still free to go to Lake Tahoe and do whatever you please, right? But some people are not. But for us Christians, and I sent this email to the leaders and the people that are going to be involved in the service tonight, we are blessed because we have God. Amen. We are blessed because we have God. But knowing God in trying times, as just we read from Moses' teaching to the Israelites before they entered Promised Land and before he died, we can pick up key aspects, key things or requirements that tell us how we can know, or if we know who God is. And and these are our points this evening, but don't be scared, we're only gonna do two. Uh, first point is to believe in one God, and then the second point is to love and live for God, and then the third, which is going to be next week, to trust God and to tell people about God. Uh, Somebody prayed really hard, and then God answered that prayer. If you wanted me to preach only for 45 minutes, I think it was answered. (laughs) Hopefully, we'll see. First point, to believe in one God. Verse 4, it read, Hear, O Israel. God started with this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. It's the same thing in Exodus 20, verse 1 to 3. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. The first commandment. And if you look back at Deuteronomy 6, even before God said anything else, He said, I am the Lord, your God, the Lord is one. Why is that so important? Because during Moses' time, and, 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 and again in our time too, but during Moses' time, it depends on what region you live in, you have different gods. They have the mountain god, the sun god, the moon god. Right? They, they, they have those. And, and in our time now, People are being told, we're told, that you can have whoever God you prefer. It's your choice. You have the right to believe in a God that will satisfy all your needs. That's the popular thinking now. So long as it works for you. Whatever makes you happy. Follow your heart. (laughs) I love that part. Not really, but the, the first commandment is clear and God again, twice with Moses, that there is only one God. You truly don't know God if you think there's other gods other than Him. Let's just put that there. Now, if you know that there is one God, it pays to know His instructions. Correct? It pays to know His instructions. If God is one then He is the true God. He must be the one what we should all believe in. And everything that He says, everything about His truth, we should all believe and follow it. Do you agree? Okay. Some people, yes, that's all right. Some people, 50% is okay. Sadly, Sadly, that is not the case. Sadly, that's not the case for the world. The world thinks that there are other gods and and then they make up God and they make God as a genie. But what's sadder is some people who claim to be Christians, who call themselves believers of Jesus, they carry the title Christians, little Christ, make up a God of their preference to suit their sinful lifestyle, masked. With, because we're all wearing masks, right? Masked with, I'm saved by grace. God knows. Why is it? Why is this important? It's important with this illustration. Imagine, it's true. It, the The truth about God being one is so needed for you to really know if you know God. Because imagine if somebody, somebody wants to write, somebody comes to you. Somebody came to me and, and say, I want to write a book about you. And then, of course, you know, you'll be flattered by, like, oh, all right, you want to write a book about me. But then the, the, the person says, yeah, I, wanna, I want to write that, uh, I want to put there that you are good with math. That <laughs> you're an engineer and you work at NASA, and you're a great musician and a great singer. I'll put there that you're about 6'6", six, six, very muscular good-looking, but you are terrible with people, and a terrible father, and a terrible husband, and you're horrible at relationships. That's what I'll put. Now, if you're a normal person, and if that is not true about you, you'll be furious. Don't you agree? Unless you agree with what they said, you'll be furious. You're like, what? No. No. I'm horrible at math, I don't work at NASA, I'm not an engineer, I'm not 6'6", I'm not a great musician, I'm a frustrated singer and a horrible singer, I'm not muscular, I'm not good looking, but I think I'm okay with relationships, I think I'm okay with my son and my daughter, I think I'm okay, I'm pretty normal with my wife, right? You would argue, because there's injustice, do you agree? There's injustice if someone insists that you are something else. Do you agree? And then they will portray as if they know you. Right? Somebody say amen then. Amen. That's the truth. Don't we agree so we can all agree that that's the same with God? Yes, that's an amen. It's the same with God. If we pretend that we know God and then we make something else, we make Him about other things other than who He truly is, then we are doing Him injustice. Do we agree? Amen. Amen. And some of us will say, well, you know, that's not what I prefer. That's not what my heart tells me. I love following my heart. You know, if that person truly wants to write a book about you, don't you think it will pay that that person spend some time with you, right? Spend some time with you and then learn about you and how you truly are, what you do for a living, how you are with relationships, what you truly look like, right? Now I get it, with with human relationships, if, if we know somebody's watching us, and somebody's going to be writing a book about us, we're going to be our best behavior. <laughs> it's not going to be really the real us. Just like when, we, when a husband's here, when you courted your wife, didn't you send your representative? Right? <laughs> you didn't send your real self. You sent your representative. Hi, I'm Joe Salcedo. How are you? I'm his representative, by the way. Um, I'm good. I'm nice. I'm patient. <laughs> Everything that that's not true. Because, you know, somebody's watching. You're being evaluated. That can happen because... People, at best, are liars. But with God, God, if you want to seek Him, He will reveal His true self to you. That's in Jeremiah 29, 13 and 14. It reads there, You will seek Me and find Me when you seek Me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares, declares the Lord. You have to seek Him. You will find him if you seek him. The 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 tricky part there is the heart part. Right? The heart part. You will seek me with all your heart. Now, how about that heart part? Because Jesus said with the heart, the heart of of, of, of people is deceiving. Now, did you know that even that heart, that heart to seek God is from him? I think I have it there. Are we still delayed? Uh, Jeremiah 24, 7. There you go. I will give them a heart to know me. God will give the person the heart to know Him because, frankly, our hearts are not inclined to seek the real God. Amen? Because it says in Romans, No one seeks God. No, not one. No one is righteous, not even one. So folks if you have if you sought for God and you, and you found him, it, 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 it is good that you be grateful. It is good that you you have to understand this truth here because if you don't believe in this, you are somehow telling people that you had a better heart than any anybody else because the bible already says that no one seeks god so by the time when you were seeking god whether it was in your during your trying times during your hardship praise god amen because when we sought him sincerely with the heart that he gave us he revealed himself to us amen so knowing god knowing the real god because you, you get to say this because he revealed himself to you. Amen? So that's when you know God, is if he actually discovered, if you actually discovered him, if he revealed himself to you. Now, the heart of men, right? Our hearts, apart from the Lord, is always selfish, correct? It's always selfish out of the uh, out of our hearts come adultery, murder, right? And, and then people people that want to create their own God, when they do that, they're they're following their heart, and then by the time, by the time that, that their their heart fails, where do they go? Here's here's a quote from Tim Keller. It says here, ironically, the God your heart most desperately needs is a God your heart didn't create. The God your heart most desperately needs is a God your heart didn't create. You know why? Because we all fail. We all fail. Our strengths will fail. Our patience will fail. So if we are creating a god, not a real god, but a god to for our preference, what will happen when everything fails for you? That god that you made up will not be able to tell you you're okay. I still love you. No, you won't be able that that god won't be able to tell you that because you are hating yourself. At that point when you're miserable, nothing's going right, that god that you created cannot rescue you. But the real God, the real God will continue to tell you, you're fine. I love you. I will see you through this. Yes, everything seems to be disarrayed right now. But I am with you. I will strengthen you. See, the real God will sustain us. The real God will will give us that strength that we need. But the God that we created, Whatever, whatever it may be. I can even bring it to the God of the money. The money God that you've created. What will happen when you go bankrupt? Right? We, we've heard of billionaires who have killed themselves because their business, have been fail- uh, business failed. Somebody drove his car on, on the rail tracks because his business was failing. He couldn't handle the fact that he's not going to be a billionaire anymore. He's going to be a millionaire. What will happen? What will happen if you, put your, if you make your relationships your God? What will happen when you make your husband or your wife your God and then they fail you? What will happen then? What will happen then? What will happen when you make your children, your career, your politics? All of these things will fail you. And it's such a big thing for our God that it is the first commandment. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Because knowing who He really is will help us. It will help us to go through our trying times. The first result Right? The title is, The Results Are In. The first result of knowing God is that there is only one. Only one God. And all the truth behind that one God, quite certainly... <laughs> this, is, this is the problem when I'm typing and then I'm not reading it. <laughs> and all the truth behind that God will certainly help you and calm our hearts during trying times. During, during trying, trying times when we know that we've discovered the real Him, we know that despite our circumstances, God is real and He will carry us through. And what should be the result of knowing the one true God? What's the result of that? And to, um, that which enters our second point. Our second point is, if you know the real true God, you are going to love and to live for Him. Verse 5 and 8 reads, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Knowing the real, the true, the one God results into us loving Him. And then us loving Him results to us living for Him. Living for Him. How do we live for Him? In obedience to His commands. It has to be shown in our lives. Amen? I know that's a hard amen, but it's the truth. It's the truth, because John 14, 15 reads, If you love me, keep my commands. That's just one. I know there's plenty. I'm trying not to overwhelm you, which I I tend to do from time to time. But that's the truth. If you love someone, do you find it hard to serve them? If your answer is yes and you're right next to your husband or your wife, try not to answer. Because if you love someone, it's not burdensome to do what they want because your heart's desire is to please them. Amen? Your heart's desire is to make them happy. Because when they're happy, you're happy. When, when, when I hear my children's laughter, even though I don't know what they're laughing about, sometimes I think it's me that they're laughing at, <laughs> I, I'm i happy because I can see them happy. When I can tell that Alonzo or Gianna, is, they're both having a bad day, and I'll ask them because they're teenagers now, what's bothering you? Nothing. It bothers me too. So... How about with God? If we're, if we're that sensitive to our human relationships, why aren't we sensitive towards God? Why would, why do we find it so difficult to obey God's commands? But yet we say we love Him. But that's the very thing that we don't do. You know, when you insist on a certain lifestyle that God has disagreed with and has commanded you not to live how to live you have actually have shown defiance and have proven that you do not love him amen i know it's a hard amen i know these commandments these commandments that i give you today are to be on your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home when you walk along the road when you lie down when you get up Tie them on the symbols of your hands and buy them on your foreheads, write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. God shows us here that our love for Him must be exercised both in private, in our homes and private, and in our public lives. Somebody say Amen. It must be shown in both aspects of our lives, in all aspects of our lives, folks. You can't just be a Christian here at church. (laughs) You can't just love God on the weekends and then hate Him from Monday to Friday or Monday to Saturday. It must be shown. It must be reflected in our families. Now our children will see us loving God here like the angels that we are and then we go home with our big horns and I can say, but we're still the devil. Nothing has changed us. It's the same thing where we're angels here, angels at, at home, Christians at church, Christians at home. But you're the devil at work. And then you have the audacity to ask your co-workers, you want to go to church with me on Sunday? And then you wonder, I don't know why they're not coming. This gives a lot of responsibility, actually, to the parents. If you have missed it, dads, moms, I'm going to hammer on the, the, the dads, but the, the, this there's, there's a huge responsibility here, parents. You cannot live a contradictory life to the faith that you are professing. It must be shown. Did you know that if, if it's a dad who, who comes to God if a, if a father comes to Christ with an unbelieving family the chances of the whole family to be saved is 93 percent but the fathers want to live to want to leave that responsibility to the mothers and if it's a mom who gets saved it's only 17 percent that's from there's a statistic this is from Washington Area Coalition of Men's Ministries. Let me see how many dads are in here. I'm just trying to see if you guys were awake when I read that. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see this? Dads or the future dads, the single guys here, if you have plans of getting married, did you know the responsibility that is bestowed upon you? That if you are living a contradictory life, your children will probably walk away from the faith. The sooner that they can drive away from church. (laughs) See, Pastor Charles knows. He's pastored many churches and he's seen that in real life. That's right. When a mother comes to Christ, you see this? A mom comes to Christ 17%. When a dad comes to Christ, 93%. Now, I don't have any statistics on if a Christian behaves properly at work, 93% of their co-workers come to Christ. Now, I don't have the statistics because I think we're too afraid to find out. <laughs> but if we say we, we know God, when we know the real God, the one God, we end up really loving Him. We end up really loving Him, especially after we discovered what He has done for us. Right? It, it, it brings forth the fruit of love for Him. But then that love is always tested if we are living for Him in all aspects of our lives. Not just the places, not just to the people that we think they're not going to take us crazy if we're we're so fanatic, we're so in love with the Lord. These are the set of friends that I can be in love with the Lord with. And these are the set of friends that I can party my tail with. I'm giving you my my double life standard before. Sadly, that's how I used to live. Yes, I would come to church, I would cry, I would confess, I would I appreciate God's grace. I went to many altar calls. There was one time that my my pack of cigarettes even dropped in front of Pastor Julius and in front of the, the church. I was living a double life and then I leave church and I go back to work. I like a sailor again with my with my mouth. And it's like nobody would know that I'm a Christian. It's a double life, it's a double standard. And now about in verse 7 and 8, it reads here: Talk about them when you sit at home. You're when when you're at home, you're talking about talking. Right? There, it, there's needed. Discussion, professing to your children, to your husband, to your wife, to your mom, to your dad, how good God is. What what blessing, the blessings that you have you have experienced. You're, you're giving God all the glory. You're thanking Him. There's that talking part. Yes, there's the showing part, we've said that, right? But there's also that talking part. And then when you're along the road, when you're in the city, or along the city, when you're in the, I was going to say the casino, when you're in the casino, <laughs> the, when, you're in the, <laughs> when you're in the places, the public place. Are you talking about God there? Are you talking about God at your work? I know some people, you don't want to get in trouble. You know, there's discernment there. But I know of a lot of Christians who have brought people to Christ because they kept talking about God at work. Because the talking part explains how you're acting. Your acting explains what you're professing. It goes hand in hand. Because you know what? If you never say anything that you're a Christian, but you're living a holy life, you're getting all the glory. And mind you, you might like it. Be careful. Because if you hear this many times, oh, you're such a good guy. You're such a great wife. You're such a great person. And you don't give the glory to God. Your head's going to get big and it's going to (laughs) pop. True story. (laughs) No, it's not going to (laughs) pop. But you better be careful. When you do not give the glory to God. When you do not give the glory to God. And how about verse 8? Tie them as symbols on your hands and buy them on your foreheads. What does this mean? This means this. Everything that you know about God, you must exercise with your life. Everything that you've learned about God must be lived out with your life. Both in private, at your home, with your family, with your friends, and in public. When you lie down and when you get up, it's your entire waking moment. It's your entire waking moment. Are you talking about God with everything, with your entire waking moment? This means to you, this means to us this. Everything, everything that we do, we should be asking, we should be asking this question. What does God say about this? Now, elections are around the corner. (laughs) I know I'm, I always try to stay neutral, but I always tell the truth too, I'm hoping. Because even our votes, we must ask, what does God think about this? What did God say about certain views that the politics is showing and revealing to us? Do we agree? Okay. I'm not going to tell you I'm going to vote for. But I'm going to tell you the, the issue that why I'm going to vote for a certain candidate, it is the issue of protecting unborn babies. I know I'm never Republican enough for some Christians and I'm not Democratic enough for some Christians. But mind you, I'm a Christian first before I'm a Filipino and before any political party. Because my life, my life is for God. And every aspect of my life must be for Him. It should be the same for you. It goes for your money. How do I spend my money? What did God say about this? What did God say about this? When you're going to date a person, what does God have to say about this? When you're planning a business, what does God say about this? What did God say about this? about your money, about maybe your power, about your sexuality. Every nook and cranny of your life must be tested with what God has said. If you truly love Him, that is how you live for Him. Because you put it to the test of your love for God. Because if God is true, if there is only one God and you believe in that true God, you should, you're should you going to end up loving Him. But your love for Him will be proven on how you live for Him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Should we close in prayer now? Because I think that was the point for it. On your door frames, right? Door frames at your house. Your doorpost of your house. Does, does your family know you're a Christian? Does your family know you love God? Or do they just know that you come to church? They just know you come to church. They, they, they know when you come back from church, you have so many notes, right? And you put it be- together with all the notes that you've taken. You know that even you come to church and taking many notes doesn't really, at many times, still doesn't make you grow in a relationship. If you do not involve yourself in the community. Now, I'm not talking about church membership alone because we have a lot of church members in our roster that I don't see at church. (laughs) It doesn't make you a Christian when your name is in the church membership role. What makes you a Christian is because you accepted Christ as your Lord. And what makes you grow as a Christian is if when you are involved with other believers, what you're listening to is what you're learning. But then you get to, you should be able to apply that when you are involved with other believers. Amen? Some of you don't want to be involved because you don't want to be bothered. You're too busy, right? Your schedule, you're working six days a week. Do you have time for me? (laughs) No, you don't. But that's how we grow. You are to grow in your relationship with God, your love for Him, and your living for Him if you involve yourself in the community of believers. Community of believers. Usually, it is a church. A church is a body of believers, a group of believers. Now, we've tackled it many times before that the church is not perfect. Amen? Amen. The moment that you think it's perfect, don't join it. Because then it becomes imperfect. Public life, your work, your political, your civic duties, as a citizen of the country, as a citizen of your city, if, as an employee, as an employee, you should not be stealing. I can't believe I'm saying this. It should be a given, right, Pastor Charles? But common sense for Christians isn't usually commonly used. As a Christian, you are not supposed to steal. So at work, if you're clocking in way too early or clocking in way too fast, or too too late, so you can make the overtime, although you're already just drinking coffee and reading a newspaper, you're not supposed to do that. The companies should enjoy having Christian employees. Amen. They should love having Christian employees because. You're not just working for that person. You are working for a higher being. You're accountable to God. God knows if you are just on the phone for eight hours and not working while you're getting paid for that company. Everything, see, every aspect of your public life and your private life must be tested for your love for God That's how it's going to be tested. What am I doing? This thing that I'm doing, how is this ranking? How is this evening up with my love for God? That's how we should all live. And again, as believers, here, you're just learning. But to grow is when you're involved in someone's life. Another believer's life. (laughs) Okay, here. Here's another quote from Tim Keller. I know of and have seen many doctrine-filled Christians whose lives haven't changed because they are not willing to be a part of a community to talk and to learn from with other believers. Now, Tim Keller, he's an author and is a pastor in New York. And he started that that, uh, church in New York 20 years ago, I believe. And he has seen many Christians, according to him, that constantly takes notes and knows all the doctrines of our faith, but are not have not really grown in their relationship with the Lord because they don't want to get involved in people's lives. They don't want to get involved in people's lives. We can't just be a believer of Jesus Christ by word, but also with action. You can't just be a Christian at church but also at your home, with your family. They must hear, which is your talking, and they must see, which is your binding with your hand, because you're doing it, that Jesus is your life. And in your life, because you're living it out. This also means that you can't just be a Christian at home or in your private life, but not in public. Your work must benefit from having a Christian employee. Someone who doesn't cheat the time, cheat the system, cheat them, cheat the money. They're benefiting from an honest employee because that employee is working for God first, not for them. Your friends must see you not wanting to do the things that you used to do with them. There are times... Many, Maybe maybe many times that you have to remove yourself from your old friends so that you can bring them to Christ. How is that true? John 12, 24 reads, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls on the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. It is not who you hang out with that changes you. It's who you hang out with that changes you, not who you listen to. You agree with this? The audio versus <laughs> audio versus video. Audio versus video. Try this at home after, after the service. Okay, not right now. At home, try to listen to something different and then watch something different. Try to listen to the podcast and then watch the basketball game on TV. See what will overtake you. See what will take control of your thoughts more. It will be the video. It will be the video. Video versus audio. Video always works. So how do we think? What makes us think that we can listen here at church and not be involved in real life? Monday to Saturday. We're only at church. We're only with Christians at church. And then for the time that we we say amen, have a good day, see you next week, you just run your life again with your old friends, with your old lifestyle. How do you really expect that your life will change if that is how you will live? Right? (laughs) Round four. (laughs) It sounds like a ding. And lastly... (laughs) before the law was put in the door <laughs> before the law was put in the doorposts of Israel the blood of the lamb was put in the doorposts of the Israelites in Egypt during the first passover right we're we're, we're talking about put it put God's love put God on your doorpost let people know that you love God you know before the law was given the blood of the lamb was told to the Israelites, to put it on your doorpost. And then they hid behind that. Everybody that was in that house with the blood of the lamb in the doorpost were saved. Were saved from the angel of death that was going through around Egypt. Us Christians, we be hide behind the blood of the lamb. The perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ, we're hiding behind that blood. I mention this because we should... We should It should bring gratitude, right? It should bring humility. It should breed love. It should breed obedience. That's in Exodus 12, verse 7, by the way. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides of the tops of door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. Knowing God results in us knowing that there is only one Him. And everything that he says are more likely against what we think and what we want. Or what we've been used to. Because our lives were never inclined to obey him. Our our hearts are never inclined to please him. Our hearts are always inclined to sin against God's will. Apart from the Lord, we are nothing. Apart from the Lord, we can do nothing. Nothing. We can't please Him apart from Him. But because of the blood of the Lamb, because of Jesus Christ, He made us worthy. Because of God changing our hearts to seek Him, and then He revealed Himself to us, we now become believers of the real and one true God and that breeds love love God with all your heart all your mind all your soul all your strength knowing God results in us loving him because of what he has done for us dying on the cross to which we are covered from the consequences of our sins Loving God then results to living for Him in obedience to His commands in all aspects of our lives, folks. In all aspects of our lives. Can you please say it in We just need to start living that now. We said it, but now we need to do it. Right? If you're only loving God during times of trouble or times of need or types of inspiration, you know what? You're really not loving God. You're not loving God. You know, there's the, there's this question. I think it was Analu who asked me this. She goes, do you love me because you need me? Or do you need me because you love me? See, Analu is always good with all these trick questions, you know? <laughs> So I'm like, hmm, I need you because I love you. That's the right answer, right? We need God because we love him, right? During the trying times, we need him because we know that he promised that he will never leave us, correct? During our weakest times, Weakest times of our hearts and our strength. What did He say? In your weakness, I am strong. Right? And during times of uncertainty, we we know that God said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. We know that of Him. We know that. And we know He is true to His promises. We know that He has the power to do it. Amen? So we should be living our lives in that manner and with those thinking. I know we have two more points, but that will be next week. Okay, so that's in closing. I will give you because it's such a heavy, heavy topic. In closing, there's this there's this phone call that happened that uh, the husband picked up. He picks up the call and he says, "Yes, honey." The person on the other uh, the other end said. You know what? I'm so tired of you buying all your toys. You just bought a new jet ski. It's my turn. I'm gonna buy a Louis Vuitton purse. It's gonna be about seven thousand dollars. The husband goes, "Yes, honey. Go ahead and buy it, honey." And then, and then the then the wife goes, "Well," the wife goes, "Well, that's too easy. Let me try it again. Maybe he's having a good day." You know what? And, and then, by the way, you bought you a new shotgun that cost twelve hundred dollars. You know, I'm gonna buy myself a new Mercedes Benz. And the husband goes, yes, honey, just go ahead and buy it, honey, just go ahead. And, and, and then the wife goes, wow, again, that was too easy. You know what? I'm going to go to the Philippines next month and see my family. And I don't want to hear anything from you about it. Yes, honey, go ahead and do it. Just Whatever you want, honey, just do it. Guy ha- hangs up and the, the friend goes, who's that? I don't know, it was the wrong number. <laughs> The point is this. this. If you don't know who you're talking to, be careful (laughs) of saying yes or no. (laughs) But knowing God, if you know God, He will answer all your requests according to His will and it will always be for your own good. Amen? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you once again for your message for us tonight. May you please grant us, Lord God, with humility in order for us to obtain the wisdom that you wanted us to receive tonight. Thank you for your holy word that you have provided for all of us, your truth about who you are and what you are about. May we retain what we've learned tonight. May you give us the strength and the wisdom to live this out in our home, in our work, with our family, with our friends, with our co workers with our money, with our strength, with our mind, in all aspects of our lives, Lord God. In your Son, Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. 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 Let's all rise for the closing hymn.